Human beings have been sharing stories for hundreds of thousands of years, and with those stories came the emotional, spiritual, and physical knowledge of the ancients. Shaman Durek is a third-generation shaman, an evolutionary innovator, and a women's empowerment leader. He's here to bring forth the ancient wisdom of our elders to help heal and bring happiness into our modern society. We're sharing ancient knowledge in modern times in order to put the power back in people's hands. Welcome to the tribe. Hey, beautiful tribe. I am so happy that you're here. And the reason why is because you're beautiful, amazing, smart, intelligent, and just such a powerful being. And that you're here on earth to lead love forward on our planet. And I'm so happy that you're here on Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. And I'm so happy that we get to share such beautiful, beautiful messages and wisdom together because that's what enriches our tribe. That's what takes us to higher places and allows us to utilize our energy and our power to create change on planet Earth. And that is wonderful. So I am so happy to have you here. And also, I am beyond thrilled to have an amazing friend, an amazing, powerful man, smart, intelligent, and has so much knowledge to share with you. I am bringing on the show today, Dr. Will Cole, who is a functional medicine doctor who is going to enlighten you on health and wellness in ways that you've never been enlightened before. And let me just tell you that it is important for you to listen to every word he says, because remember, health is wealth, everyone. And if we have a healthy body and we live in a healthy lifestyle, we can do so much on planet Earth. But if we do not have a healthy body and we don't have a healthy lifestyle, what's the point of following our passions and doing what we're doing if we're not creating the vessel in which to do it in? And so just as powerful we are spiritually is how powerful we have to be physically. And this is one of the reasons why I am so happy to bring on Dr. Will Cole. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to Dr. Will Cole. Hi, Dr. Will Cole. How are you today? I'm doing great, my friend. How are you doing? I am happy and very, very, very thrilled to have you on this show. So tell everyone exactly what you do. So I'm a functional medicine doctor. And um, what that means, if you had to kind of boil down what functional medicine is. It is uh, evidence-based alternative health. So the big differences between functional medicine and mainstream or conventional medicine. Number one, we interpret labs using a thinner reference range. So anybody that's listening is going to know, hey, they get this lab and then they'll compare their on their lab, they'll have their number and they'll have this reference range. And they're comparing their number to this reference range and their doctor's doing this. Well, we get that reference range on those labs from a statistical bell curve average of people who go to labs. And people that go to labs are predominantly not healthy people. So there's a lot of people that are like, heck, I don't feel good. And they go to their doctor, they get these labs ran and the labs come back normal, quote unquote normal, even though they know intuitively, instinctively, heck, I don't feel normal. How I feel, these symptoms are not normal for me. But they're told, you're just depressed, take these antidepressants, see you later, you're just getting older, just basically settle for it. Uh, If you're going through symptoms despite normal labs, what they're unintentionally saying is you're a lot like the other sick people that make up the population of that lab. The second thing is we run more comprehensive labs. So we're looking at root issues to health problems from a physiological standpoint. So microbiome issues or nutrient deficiencies or food sensitivities or toxicity. I mean, whatever is relevant to the health history. So it kind of starts with health history comprehensively. We ask a lot of questions and then that determines what labs are needed to dig deep from a evidence-based standpoint at these root facets of why people feel the way that they do. And then we realize we're all creating differently. So we customize healthcare based on the individual. So it's not a cookie cutter approach is, you know, you know, this problem, you get this medication. It's, it's nuanced. You can have a hundred people with the same diagnosis code, the same health condition, but their root facets. And I know that you see this as well. They're the, what's giving rise to their health problem is different from person to person. Absolutely. So it's, it's that it's marrying, I think the best of alternative health, which is getting somebody healthy and the best of conventional or mainstream Western health medicine, which is 
being evidence-based, running labs, getting data, and comparing that objectively. Um, so that's, we use food as medicine, we use herbal botanical medicines, we use lifestyle changes, we use mental, emotional, spiritual components, and medications when needed to be integrative, to be holistic, uh, but tailored to the individual. So basically, what? let me just take in everything that I, that I heard, because that was really a lot of information. And I know a lot of people who are listening are really needing to understand the depth of what you're saying, because what you're saying is so poignant to our healthcare model of the, the old healthcare model, which has been really based in just like, you know, running labs and finding out what's going on based on those labs, but using statistics of other people who've gone into labs, which doesn't give you a strong viewpoint as a person, as an individual. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and why would we want to compare ourselves to sick people and say, okay, if you're compare, if you are in their range, well, then that then that's that's something that you want to be. Uh, just because something's common doesn't make it normal. And we're looking at this common range and we're saying, okay, well, if you're in this range and everything's fine, well, and that's not true. There's a lot of people that feel really lousy, but they have normal labs. So at that point, they're either not running the right labs or they're not interpreting the labs properly or both. So we have to give people answers and there's answers as to why they feel the way they do. And most of the time you can measure it on the lab. And if you can't measure it on a lab, you're probably not running the right labs. Right. So this is interesting because what this kind of brings up a really, um, you know, tense issue for me, which is basically the allopathic healthcare system isn't really built towards the individual. It's built more towards the conglomerate. It's built more towards the the populace and it's not really geared towards the person. So if it's not geared towards the person, how are they really being able to identify the real issues versus just the symptoms, but the core issues that are happening? Because I think a lot of times what happens that I see is, is, you know, people go to the doctors, the doctor runs tests, they look at the symptoms, they see what's going on and then they, they they say, okay, well, this is what we need. These are the procedures we need to do. Are these are the medications we need to give you? But it's not geared towards them because they're looking at a model of other people's labs and basically you putting them in that category based upon that statistics that they see. And so that's not really honest healthcare. It's just, and it's not... It's not. It's it, it served a time. Uh, it, like you said, you use the word conglomerate. And I think that's exactly what it is. It's. I think it's a... As, uh, that it's time has passed. And I think that uh, people are looking for answers. And I think that's the double-edged sword of the internet is that people are realizing they don't just have to take this pill because someone in a white coat said to take it. They're actually educating themselves and saying, look, I have other options. Um, and if I don't have other options, let's find out what are these side effects to these medications? Because most of the time patients aren't even told uh, these side effects. And then when they start having side effects or put on medications for the side effects of the first medication, and you look at our grandparents' generation or great-grandparents' generation, that's just, you just trusted because a doctor said it. And I think people are waking up like never before of their options in healthcare. And look, today, the Cleveland Clinic has a functional medicine center. This is like a new thing. This is an amazing thing where we're, we're literally going into the mainstream model of care and we're starting to change things. Um, and that the old system is recoiling. We people, I mean, there's blowback when you make any changes, negative blowback sometimes, but it's threatening. It's threatening because it's new. It's threatening because we're actually getting people results. And if pharmaceutical companies, I'm assuming, aren't the biggest fans of getting people healthy. I'm sure of it. <laughs> I'm very sure of it. I've had my uh, my run-ins with them as far as, you know, dealing in conversation and, and what's per, what, what happened, what's purposeful for someone and what's not purposeful for someone. So as we talk about these things, right, what is some, what is some of the things that someone can do who's listening? What is the first way that they get out of this kind of like being programmed that doctors are the the final word. I know for myself, you know, who died with the 10.6 potassium and then coming back from death, being in a coma and then being told I'm paralyzed and I have brain damage and I have kidney failure and all these things that were happening to me, not to mention all the 20 blood clots that I had around my body. But the doctors telling my father and my mom and my family that there's really like, I'm barely going to make it or I'm not even going to survive. So what's the point? And that they're going to do the best they can, you know, and then having the doctors tell me I was going to, you know, not be able to walk and I was going to be able to function and all these things. And for me, I had to really get a very strong mindset 
mindset, which was, you're not going to be the dictator of my path as a human being. This is my journey, not your journey. So I started to, you know, to take that mindset. But there's a lot of people who are listening right now who are stuck in that old paradigm, who are stuck in that belief that doctors are the final word. And that, you know, and when they're sick, they follow that that healthcare model that structure that was put in place for them to go to the doctor, get their test run, wait for the doctor to come in in the white coat and say things to them and then agree with it and then follow the, the doctor's line of procedure that needs mm-hmm. to happen for them to, in order to bring health and wellness back or to deal with whatever the complications are as, as they're arising. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you recommend someone to be able to get into a space where they are able to start stepping out of that paradigm? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think first of all is just realizing what the system's set up to do. The training in the standard model of care is to diagnose a disease, give it an ICD-10 diagnosis code, and then match it with a medication or a surgery when it's needed. But for the most part, when we're talking about chronic health problems, it's medications. That's really the only options that they're given when you're given a chronic health, and we're talking about autoimmune conditions, you know, heart disease, diabetes, metabolic issues, hormonal problems. They're all given the appropriate medicinal matching game medication with that diagnosis code. They have to, I think that's the seminal moment for many people is realizing, wait, everybody is given that same medication or a different brand of the same mechanism of the drug. A lot of people don't think about that. They just think, oh, this is healthcare. I'm seeing my doctor. My doctor's looking at me. I'm getting this unique thing. Well, actually, no. The system is set up to the, it's, it's disease management or some people call it sick care. But let's be politically correct about it. It's just disease management. They're managing the disease with these pharmaceutical drugs. That's the option. The amount of uh, nutritional education that a conventional doctor has received during their, all of their years of medical school, they get about a weekend's worth of training when it comes to food and health and wellness. You could learn more on YouTube in whoa, an afternoon. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a second. I have to stop you there for a second. A weekend training in holism and the understanding like nutrition and the healthcare model from that point of view. Yeah. Well, f- health, uh, food as medicine. Yeah. Food as medicine. Yeah. Herbs and micronutrients, uh, health and wellness, nutrition. Let's just call it nutrition. Right. They receive about, in all their years of medical training, about a weekend's worth of nutritional training. Uh, and that's why when your doc, your doctor really, uh, other than, you know, the general advice of when someone's cholesterol high, quit eating fat, you know, that old age old thing, other than that, and watch your sodium, there's really no, uh, advice going on within the standard model of care when it comes to food. That's just like expecting a mechanic to tell you all about gardening. It's not the training. It's not the system. The system set up to, is to, it's pharma, it's pharmaceuticals is really what it is. Wow. And the medical school system has been co-opted, been taken over in part, uh, their educational system from the pharmaceutical companies. Um, so, and, and look, most of my colleagues are in the conventional system, but guess what? They will all tell you, they all have had to, after they graduated, go and learn this for themselves because they were not taught it. So it's like, they want to learn it, but they they have to go after medical school because they're not taught it. But yet the majority of conventional doctors, they don't do this stuff, but yet they're, all they're doing is just medicating and medicating and medicating and medicating. We take more medications. We spend more on healthcare. We take more drugs than the entire world. Uh, yet we have the most chronic disease and the shortest lifespan of all industrialized nations. Uh, this is insanity. We have to do something different to see different results. So, I mean, to answer your question, I think realizing that and really looking at the facts and realizing that and there were studies to, that were done. I put this in my book, but I don't know the exact medical journal, but they quizzed doctor, medical students, like last year, about to graduate medical students. And the majority of them f- failed. They got a failing test when it came to nutrition. Oh my because it's just not taught. It's not their fault. They're brilliant people. They're just not educated on wellness. And this is what I mean, look, Hippocrates, the father of modern medicine, yes. he said, let food be that medicine and medicine thy food. How far have we left that oath, the other Hippocratic oath, where this is radical? This is 
witchcraft. Right. This is quackery. Absolutely. To say food is healing. It's it's threatening. How far have we abandoned our core principles that that's threatening? It's right. So, it's, it's so innocuous. It's, and do you think that that a lot of that lack of knowledge and understanding within in the communities of the world is based upon, you know, the, the system wanting to support uh, toxins and poisons going into people's bodies so that they can constantly be at the mercy of the healthcare model that's built for them today? I think on a micro level, when you look at doctor, like a doctor on an individual basis, I honestly think... Most of them are great people, well-intentioned people who are just doing their training. And they went into healthcare, I think, to help people, most of them. But yet when you're taught, I mean, this is a good principle for any part of life, is when you're taught something, you're indoctrinated to you. It's like a pun on words, but they're indoctrinated in that way and saying this is. And look, functional medicine is not anti-medication. There's a place for it. The criteria, though, is what is their most effective option that causes them the least amount of side effects. Some people are alive because of medications, but it should have its place. But yet it doesn't have its place. It's just all places now. It's just everything because it's about money. It's about, it's a conglomerate, to use your word again, on our health. They have, they actually own, the government and the pharmaceutical companies actually own the words in effect cure, treat, prevent, all that stuff that you see in the bottom of supplements, they can't say that because the only people can say that are pharmaceutical drugs. Oh, that I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. So it's that's the um, control, the monopoly they have over our wellness. So what is something that someone can do to begin to start looking at a more holistic um, healthcare position for themselves if they're dealing with chronic illness, if they're dealing with some form of symptom or pain or some form of, of, of disease within their body, what is something that they can start doing to pull themselves out of that? You now, we talked about the fact that they can start having the knowledge of what's really happening. Mm-hmm. But what are some other holistic steps that they can go to that you would recommend for them? I think the genesis, the ethos, the core of wellness and reclaiming one's health is self-love. And I don't mean that in a fluffy talking point sort of way. I mean it as you cannot heal a body you hate. And I think that we see it within wellness. We see it not within wellness. And we need to get our act together as a wellness uh, world to really lead by example. Um, And I think that shaming people or being overly obsessed about food to the point of orthorexia and overly anxious and stressed about food, that shouldn't be the the ethos of what we're trying to do. So anybody that's trying to reclaim their health, they have to kind of look at themselves and saying, look, I love my body enough to nourish it with good food medicine. I've been blessed with my body enough that I want to feel great. And food is one way to do that. It's not the only way. Obviously, this, wellness is more than just food, but herbs, micronutrients, our stress levels, our sleep, our physical activity, all of these things have to be born out of this sort of grace, lightness. That um, I think that's the core of it. And then from there, uh, I would say start with real foods. Um, the problem is most people that I see, at least, they have underlying gut problems like leaky gut syndrome or intestinal permeability issues, which means things are passing through the gut lining that shouldn't be able to pass through the gut. And this is a ubiquitous problem in our world. Even healthy foods are triggering problems now in people. Even like real foods. like Well, kale, I've heard kale has been um, triggering a lot of problems for people. Yeah, greens. I mean, a lot of people are just, they can't even handle salads. Uh, And this is like growing up, that was, oh, eat your greens and eat your vegetables. (laughs) Now people are getting sick from their vegetables. It's not the vegetables' fault. It's the underlying gut problems. But it's now anything's fair game. When you actually have to to do more advanced, more, I don't want to say aggressive, but more advanced protocols to actually even be able to handle 
salads. Uh, this is the time that we're living in, uh, and it takes time. So I, you can't make any fluffy answer on like eat this food and this is going to reclaim your health because I'll be proven wrong with like the next <laughs> patient that I see. You have to see the person as the individual. Right. So I think the commonality is finding out what your body loves, finding out what your body hates, and doing that. And that's different from person to person, especially in this day that we live in. I think that's brilliant. And for me, you know, I'm on an OMAD diet. So um, I've been on it for about three and a half weeks where I eat one meal a day and I'm vegan. And so for me, I, you know, I was, I wrote, I was raised in a house where my father was a big steak eater and he believed that the more steak you ate, the more of a man you were. So he was like steak for dinner and potatoes and, you know, mayonnaise and tomatoes and pepper and like, you know, and for me as a kid, it was really challenging because I could never put this, I could never eat the steak. I was chewing and chewing and chewing forever and ever and ever. And as I started getting a little bit older, I decided I wanted to be vegetarian. And then I started going into that. And, you know, only recently I was in this deep meditation and I was just like really digging deep in myself and asking myself, like, what actually feels right for me? I went on the intermittent fasting and I didn't I didn't feel right. And so I was like, okay, spirits, what is it? What is it that I need for myself? And I kept hearing, go on the YouTube, you're gonna find it and we'll let you know when you do. And all of a sudden this thing popped up and it said, Oman. It was like one meal a day. So I was like, you know what? I looked at all the videos. I looked at it. I was like, okay, let me look into this. I did it for two days. No problem. I didn't feel hunger. I didn't feel anything. I drank water all through the day with like, with, you know, apple cider vinegar and like ate, you know, very healthy meals um, at the time that I could eat. And it's changed. I feel so good inside. Like I feel like I have a lot of energy. I can hear things clear. My vision has become much more um, like focused. My skin is softer. I go to the gym. I have tons of energy. I run. I lift weights. I'm losing weight. And I and it's been um, such a journey. What is your thoughts on the OMAD? I don't know anything about it. I, I want you. I want, you tell me. <laughs> you eat. I, I want to hear about this. It sounds like a form of intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. So is it a vegan meal when you eat your one meal? Yeah. So I fast for 23 hours. I eat within an hour span. I could eat within a two hour. It's my choice that I would just be doing 22 hours. And I have literally, it has literally, it, you know, um, shifted everything in my, you know, I still take my enzymes, still take my probiotics. I still take all of that stuff, but it has literally shifted my whole entire energy and not only just my energy, but the way I associate myself to things mm-hmm. and how the, 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 the level, because for me, I always look at myself in this way of my body is a living spirit and my body, the organs in my body that are inside my body are made up of spirits that chose to be my liver, chose to be my kidney, chose to be my heart. They belong to the elemental kingdom. In the elemental kingdom are the blueprint of the elemental kingdom. In order for elements to consist, to continually, um, you know, continue on and consist within our bodies, they have to be replenished with their own element. So if it's earth element, then there needs to be earth element in my food. If there's fire, then it needs to be able to create fire. If it's water, it's water and air, and air, of course, me breathing. So I always look at the, the, the body as this living model that's saying, if I'm made up of elements, then those elements need to be replenished. And so I don't drink soda because there's nothing in my body that needs it. And I don't drink alcohol because I don't feel anything in my body needs it. So I give my body what it needs. I don't give my body things that it doesn't need. So I eat as clean as necessary, as much as I can, especially being here at the hotel with you. You know, I eat as clean as I can, as according to where I'm at in my travels, in my world, and and where I'm, you know, where I'm at. And the OMOD has, what it has done for me is my muscles are stronger than I've ever felt. And they said, because you build the human growth hormone in your body mm-hmm. when you're fasting, my digestive has stopped working so much. So it's repairing other parts of my yeah. body that I didn't realize that it was repairing. And I feel this immense powerful energy. Like I'm lit. Like from the time I wake up in the morning to going to the gym, to like working with people all day to like, you know, whatever it is I'm doing until about six, seven o'clock, my body's like, okay, we're ready to eat again. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's a wonderful thing. What do you think about um, intermittent fasting and all these things? I I love that we're having this conversation and we like, I didn't even know you were eating this way. 
what and what you're telling me, this form of like time restricted eating um, and then eating these real foods in this time, this caloric restriction for the most of the day, why you're feeling this way in part is something called autophagy. Uh, autophagy, uh, if you break that word down, it's auto self phagy is uh, eating. So self-eating, it's your cells. It's actually recycling itself. Your body's actually cleaning up dead cells and rejuvenating. You would de facto, just being through um, caloric restriction, you would have, you would, you will be on every day in nutritional ketosis, which is this fat burning state. And your body is going to naturally produce ketones, which are these carbon, hydrogen, oxygen compounds. Your body makes it naturally to provide fuel for your brain. That's why you're saying you have great energy and amazing fuel for your body. You're having more strength. Your body's producing this form of fuel. So instead of burning sugar through foods and grains and junk food and all that stuff, you're getting your fuel naturally through nutritional ketosis. Or, I mean, this is what people are talking about you know, in the blogosphere and on Instagram is the ketogenic diet and keto. And it's definitely uh, a tool. I mean, I wrote a book about it. Can I talk about my of book? Of Okay, cool. So I have a book actually coming out about this topic. And this is, I think, this is divinely inspired, but it's a plant-based ketogenic book. It's called Ketotarian. Can't wait to get this book. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a copy when I get it, when I get my copy, <laughs> <laughs> the publisher. But it's coming out in August. It's called Ketotarian. It's a plant-based ketogenic book. So I have vegan keto, vegetarian keto, and people that eat fish, pescatarian keto. Wow, that's amazing book. Yeah. And look, this alchemy of the best of the plant-based in the keto world and intermittent fasting and the way you're doing it is a form of putting yourself in nutritional ketosis. So what you're doing, I never heard that term before, but that's what you're doing. You're doing a vegan keto diet through intermittent fasting and eating real foods. So are you focusing on healthy fats or not? So I've been doing avocados. Yeah. Um, and I've been doing like um, like coconut oil. Yeah. And, um, but I, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. I just asked my spirit and my, asked my body, I'm yeah. like, what do you want? And it's like yeah. avocado. Yeah. So I was like, okay, here comes an avocado, yeah. you know? So I've noticed even just as, as, as I eat, like the way that I eat, like when I used to eat before, before I even did this, mm-hmm. I literally would eat so much food. I would eat like pastas and this and like, and even though I was into more of raw food eater, I still had like a lot of my, you know, of my pasta that was made from the, from the cucumbers and the different things I was eating, the zucchinis and all of that. But I ate a lot of it and I was eating throughout the day. I was eating like breakfast, lunch and dinner. And I noticed that my energy levels were really low. I felt that I wasn't at my highest performance and I wasn't losing weight in the way that I want to. And I noticed that the moment I started going on OMOD, everyone was like, oh, you're crazy. What are you doing? Are you crazy? Like, you can't do this to yourself. And I was like, my guys were like, keep going. Don't listen to them. Stay disciplined. Go to the gym every day. Do three times a week. Do, you know, so I really like got trainer and I was just like, I'm going to do this OMOD. And literally, I've lost so much weight, for one. I can see all of my body. My body feels so different. I feel like, I mean, literally, I'm standing and I'm dancing in ways that I that I haven't danced in a long time, you know? Yeah. Feeling um, the way my eyes see things. I'm seeing, my mind is so focused. It's like, it's like sharp, you know? And I feel like, you know, I tell people, I'm on the lit train. I am lit. <laughs> I am, you know, I feel so good. And my niece, she watches me and she's like, I can't believe, she's like, it's amazing how much energy you have, you know? And like, I'm on the treadmill running for like 50 minutes and then I'm doing work, workout, you know, and everything. And afterwards I'm coming back, I'm meditating, I'm doing some yoga and I'm doing all of these things and I feel amazing with it. And I, I just, I, I mean, for me, honestly, I feel, and this is kind of, and this is kind of what came to me is I was looking at it from the point of view of old tribal culture yeah. and how people would go, they would get their foods, resource their foods. If it was the berries or they hunted or whatever they gathered for the tribe, the tribe would eat the food. They eat all they have in that moment and they wouldn't go 
there was like a, there wasn't like a McDonald's or a grocery store or some kind of outlet where they can go and just go pick up some more meat and pick up some more cheese and some more dairy and whatever. There was a process of getting the food mm-hmm. and then bringing it back and being in reverence that you have this food for your tribe, you get to eat. And then if they weren't eating, they were fasting until they went and got the next amount of food which was usually a day between the time that they would gather and um, hunt and gather and bring more food back to the tribe. So they were strong. They were, you know, they survived. Like, you know, if we look back at our ancient, ancient, ancient ancestors at that time when they were in that structure, you know, we survived a lot of the problems that we, that you know, a lot of the different viruses and bacteria and things that happened because our bodies were strong, our immune yeah. systems were strong. And I feel like what's happened now in, in, in today's culture and is that people have become so dependent upon food as a way of filling space. You know, instead of food being something that is actually like reverently looked at mm-hmm. and seen as an opportunity to, to, to bring medicine into the body, to nurture the body and give the body its nutrients and its sustenance. So that way it can continue to 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 allow them to do the things they want to do and so forth. We have become, you know, I look at people that, you know, we've become very obese. A lot of people are, you know, are gaining weight. There's all of these things are happening because they're just they're just filling in space emotional space, mental space. Oh, I have all this extra time on my hand. Let me start eating something, you know, instead of me, let me, instead of taking that time and going, you know what, I'm going to use that time and and meditate and think of some amazing, beautiful, creative ideas. No, I'm going to take that time and stuff my face with it. Yeah. I mean, I was at, before you were even going into that is exactly what I was thinking is that this, what we're talking about is eating like our ancestors ate. And our genetics haven't changed in 10,000 years. But yet the way we're treating our genetics as a society has changed very dramatically in a very short period of time. So you're right. I mean, it is. Uh, you're eating according to your biochemistry. And it doesn't mean for everybody they have to fast every day, but they should be bringing more of that into their life to varying degrees based on where you're at and what works for you. We should be doing more of that. And it is radical because it's they even if you hear feel a little bit of hunger pangs, it's scary for people. They're like, I'm starving and they want to go eat again because <laughs> they don't even know what that is. They're not, they're not even, it's like such a, uh, un, a scary, a visceral reaction feeling that they need to go then fill themselves again. But we don't give our bodies time to clean and to detox and to increase autophagy pathways. You're doing that. So uh, have you talked about what you eat on the podcast before? Is this like a first time? No, it's time? the first time. This is like, this is exciting. You guys, you heard of Shaman Durek is vegan keto. And I don't think you even knew it. You had another name for it. But, uh, yeah, it's Oman. Oh, one meal a day. Oh yeah. The intermittent fast. But I didn't know so much about the keto. So I'm learning about yeah. the keto. Can you explain to me more about the keto? So through uh, either carb restriction, because you don't have to intermittent fast to be keto. You can like for people that are listening, they can have the breakfast, lunch, and dinner some days or all days. But if they're eating high fat, like the foods you're eating, low carbohydrate, you're going to put your body in ketosis, which is taking your body from being a sugar burner to a fat burner. It sounds like you're doing this. Yeah. Um, and it's then your body says, I need fuel. I'm not getting it through sugar anymore. And again, this is a new modern thing anyways. So you're kind of shifting your body to what the human body would have been burning for thousands and thousands of years, which is A, the food that they're eating at that point, mostly healthy fats, and get your body inherently makes this fuel called ketones, which passes through the blood-brain barrier, meaning it's the brain loves it. It's like brain clean fuel. It's like a hybrid vehicle. It burns long. You don't have the blood sugar roller coaster, the hangriness. Yeah, I don't feel that at all. Yeah, you're off the blood sugar roller coaster because your body's in a fat burning state. Your mitochondria love it. The ketones go and actually produce, uh, actually called mitochondrial biogenesis, which means making new mitochondria. Our bodies does this. This is all like God put this in place, um, and we you're tapping into that. And what about the human growth hormone? Because people are saying to me that. Um, I've been listening to people on YouTube talk about that, 
because I, I, my muscles have never been like, I've never felt this strong in my body. Yeah. What well, fasting does that for intermittent fasting. And when you are intermittent fasting and then you do like burst training or uh, high intensity interval training while fasting. Yeah, I do that too. That increases human growth hormone naturally. That's not injecting it. That's your body innately makes it. Uh, so you, again, it enhances anti-aging pathways and fat burning mechanisms all naturally, inherently. Every day I get on the scale, I'm losing weight. That's awesome. And I can feel my muscles stronger. I feel, I feel the fat just coming off my body. I feel like, can I just say to you, like, this is the first time in all of my life and when I say all of my life, I mean from the time that I was a child to where I am now, I have never felt this good. That's awesome. And, and, and for me, because I was in a wheelchair for so long and I was like in a hospital bed for so long and I was on dialysis for 10 years and all that sitting and all of that sedentary, like just not really moving my body. I, when I came out of all of that, I didn't have the feeling of wanting to do the gym. I started, I used to be very gym happy when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it was because I had this girlfriend and she was like, oh, you look really great with muscles. And so I was like, okay, I'm gonna work out. And then I became, and then I was like, you know what? I'm gonna keep working out because I'm, I'm enjoying the workout. Um, for my motivations for it, of course. But the thing is, what was really interesting was that after all of that stuff happened to me, I didn't feel motivated to go to the gym. I didn't feel motivated to do a lot of things. I just, you know, traveling the world, helping people, doing all these things. And what it was interesting was, is that I started having this awakening. A friend of mine, um, this guy named Jordan Jack Turner in London was talking to me. He was also on my podcast and he had mentioned about the fact that you need to change the way I'm thinking about working out and make it much more spiritual. And I said, looking at it from how can I be this powerful spiritual person who has these gifts and these powers where I can move energies and make things happen in people's bodies. But at the same time, I am not that strong in my own body, but I'm great spiritually but my physical body doesn't match my spirit. Mm -hmm. And I want a vessel. I want my body to yeah. match my spirit, to match my lit spirit feeling that I feel yeah. in the spirit plane. I want that litness in my yeah. physical form. Yeah. And, you know, I pay attention to a lot of stuff that you do. I watch a lot of, I mean, I'm sure you've seen me sometimes like snooping in on you and, and stalking you. Me, me the same. <laughs> yeah, for you, yeah. And I really love um, your conversations and, and it's, it's so wonderful. I love being here with you. But I want to really go into something. I want to talk sugar. Okay. I want to, I want you to, I want to, I want you to tell us what is, what is not good about sugar? Because I have a lot of people who follow me from Iceland and I can tell you when I lived in Iceland and Reykjavik, you go to the grocery store and there's a thing called the sugar. It's like, I forget what it's called. It's called sugar paradise or sugar kingdom. <laughs> and it's three aisles. <laughs> of sugar candy, uh, you know those candy where they put the bins where you have all the different sugar snacks and all that? Yeah, yeah. And you see like businessmen, housewives, everyone in there and they're just gobbing down sugar. And like every time, you know, I see people just like eating candy bars, eating sugar, eating sugar, eating sugar, eating sugar. Please tell me, what do we need to learn about this whole sugar dilemma that's happening on, on, in, on, on a planet Earth? Yeah, so... We all have, based on our biochemistry, so as individuals, we have each have different tolerance to sugar. Um, and then I, our genetics, as far as our microbiome is concerned, everybody has a different microbiome and the microbiome's genetics determine a certain tolerance. What is microbiome? Micro, yeah, microbiome is the trillions of bacteria in our gut and on our skin. So we inherit our microbiome from our mom and then her mom, and it goes, we, it's this lineage of microbiome. Um, and then obviously the foods we eat in our life determine the microbiome as well and antibiotics and drugs and all that stuff. So wait, anyways, it's our genetics and our microbiome's genetics that together will determine our tolerance to sugar. Some people can tolerate more sugar than other people. Some people I could say, I would say could even do really well on a moderate to even higher carb diet and they do fine. They live a long life and they, they, they never want any medications and they're fine. But as a general rule, the most of us can't get away with that because there's so much other junk going on in our life that we just, our cup is full and not in a good way. And it's just, we are, we have all these external stressors and toxins and this stuff and sugar is just one part of that. Um, and it's, 
again, a mismatch between our biochemistry and the world around us. Um, we've eaten sugar like never before. We cover, we eat more sugar in a couple of weeks, uh, more than what our, our ancestors sort of had in years and years and years of their life. There's a mismatch between our genetics and what we're eating. Um, so this is really putting a stressor on the body and it can impact the microbiome. It's gonna fuel inflammation. I think that's kind of the biggest thing uh, is because when you ha eat excess sugar for your body, you'll raise insulin which insulin is a fat storing hormone and insulin shortens our telomeres, our like sort of end caps of our chromosomes. It shortens our lifespan. You get these advanced glycation end products or ages, which actually age us and it's oxidative, it's stress. It's like this sort of rusting in our body on a, on a microcellular level. So what this, this is really the heart of really every chronic health problem that we face today, at least is, uh, the one commonality is it's infl inflammatory, these chronic inflammatory health problems. So autoimmune diseases are inflammatory, diabetes, inflammatory, heart disease, inflammatory, cancer, inflammatory. That's the commonality. And every food we eat is either going to feed inflammation or fight it. You're going to bring inflammation up or balance it. And sugar is going to feed inflammation. Wow, that's dangerous then. Yeah, it is. It really is. When you look at 50 million Americans with an autoimmune disease, now they're saying 50% of the United States is either pre-diabetic or diabetic, meaning that that's half of us have insulin problems, insulin resistant. That's not normal, but we call it normal. It's just common. Right. You know, it's interesting you talk about that because in shamanism, you know, especially when I'm working with people, one of the things that I do is I basically run a graph on their system. So I basically, I, I feel their veins and I check their veins and I feel the flow of blood in their veins. And, and there's certain flows that we can feel shamanically that tells us if someone has a lot of inflammation because we look for inflammation in the body because we see it as too much fire in the system. And we know that sickness and, 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 and imbalance is going to occur in the system. But we also look at not just the inflammation in the body. We also look at the inflammation in the mind and the inflammation in the emotions. Basically, you know, a lot of, you know, the fact of how we eat is the nourishment and the sustenance that we create for the body. But the body, even if we eat well, and I say this to people all the time, even if we eat really, really well, but we think with thoughts that are negative and, and, and toxic, and we surround ourselves with toxic people, and we live in environments that are not conducive to our body type, to who we are as a person, it creates an aggressive attack upon our system. So our body, so in, in we have a word in spirituality we call it effluvia, which is negative cellular memory blockage. And what it does is it creates an energy around the nucleus of the atom and the cell that actually creates a distortion within the body. And when that distortion happens, it sends signals to your central nervous system, your, th your sympathetic nervous system, the way your neurological system is processing information, the how much actually is affecting your myelin in your body and creating this um this you know this this overload of effluvia in your system and when you have too much effluvia in your system and you're eating inflammation food and you're putting toxins on top of your body and your 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 mind is filled with toxic energies from toxic thoughts that you keep running through your system so your emotions are being proliferated with these toxins as well because whatever your mind thinks your emotions then feels so that then goes out and your emotions uses synthesis. So it connects to your subtle um, body in your subtle energy field. Your subtle energy field holds all of the things that you're either allergic to, that make you sick, that cause you problems, the people you actually, you actually groove with, like the like I can always when I do when I do shamanic alchemy on people, one of the first things I do is look at their signatures. What is their signature? If their signature, if they're doing things in their life where they're having any kind of health problems, blockages, mental issues, emotional issues, anything of this nature, it's based upon the fact that they're not aligned in their signature. So their signatures are off. They're aligning with energies that are not conducive to their body, to their mind, to their frequency that works with them in order for them to adapt and evolve on this planet. They're creating what are called energy distortions 
reactions within their subtle energy field, which is affecting their cells, affecting their organs, affecting every part of their internal system and their biological system. Now you're putting toxic food on top of that. So now you're getting it from, you, you have the two angles. You have your physical, your emotional, your mental, and your, your spiritual. I call it PEMS. So each of those four levels I represent as a world or as a spirit. And if all four spirits are operating in harmony with each other, you have homeostasis in the body. But if one of those spirits are off and you don't find the correction of that. So if you're eating bad food and putting poisons in your body, your physical spirit is definitely low. So if we look at it as a meter of like you have 100 for each one, and let's say you're poisoning your system, you're not exercising, you're in your, you're breathing in pollutants because someone around you is smoking, all of this is lowering your physical level. So then what happens is your emotional levels start lowering little by little by little by little. But now let's say, for instance, you're getting into arguments with people, you're you're, you're watching movies um, that are causing emotional charges in you that are stressful and creating cortisol in your body. Your cortisol levels are going up because your emotions and your hormones keep reacting. You're flaring up your syntax nerves. So now your body's go, going into um, high um, inflammation. So now the emotion starts going down. Now you're mentally getting information and data that you're thinking that you're a bad person, you're not good enough, you're stupid, you're dumb, you're a failure, you're a loser, you're ugly, you're fat, you're unattractive. No one likes you. You're stuck. You're limited. All of these very negative energy thoughts are creating the way your system, uh, your neurological system, and the way that your your synapses and electrodes are firing off. Because the higher frequency your thought, or the more aligned your thought is to your signature, the more your electrons and your and your, um, your synapses and every lining of your body is starting to develop more in your system. So your body's, uh, your, 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 your endorphins, your, you know, serotonin levels, everything starts getting balanced. Your body starts creating this really good feel good feeling in your body, which relaxes your body, relaxes your muscles and puts you in a state of ease. But if your mind is being bombarded by nonsense and all of these things, you're, at- you're attacking your mind. So then all that goes dumps into your limbic stem. And all of a sudden your whole body is a cesspool of toxic darkness is how we look at it shamanically. Mm-hmm. We look at it as your your whole entire being is proliferated with poison. Mm-hmm. And so in order to correct the imbalance, one of the first things we do is tell people, okay, look, it's not just meditating and doing yoga and going to Wanderlust and drinking green smoothies, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and like, you know, and going and seeing your acupuncturist and doing all of these things if you eat like crap. Yeah. You know, and if you're watching scary movies all the time and you're constantly flaring up your nerves and you're constantly creating the stress inside of your body, you know, I don't care how much good food you eat, you're still toxifying your system. Yeah. You know, and so and then if someone is constantly in conversations with people that are downgraded conversations, un, un, unevolved conversations, not purposeful conversations that are based in love, empowerment, inspiration, and joy, and wanting to feel that the mind can focus on things that it actually can do and create the mind level starts going down and you start taking in all that mental poison, which causes what? Stress, anxiety, all of these things. And now all of a sudden, you're creating bipolar in your system. You're creating attention to deficit disorder. You're creating all of these mental issues plus your body, all of these things. And this is what's ruining people. And so- You know, I think it's so important. I think in order for us, and I just want to hear your thoughts on it, but I think for us, in order for us to develop greater in our species and and be able to evolve greater than the limitations that we've created by this imbalanced way that we live our lives, I think the, the healthcare model is understanding sustainable wellness. You know, the, the, the sustainability of uh, mental sustainability, emotional sustainability, you know, spiritual sustainability and physical sustainability and yeah. being able to learn that the moment you arrive on earth, that the teachings that we offer children in education is not just about taking tests to see if you know how to do your your math and read books and knowing where your commas and your periods and so forth are, your semicolons. It should be about how do we first learn how to sustain this biological spacesuit, this vessel. Mm-hmm. What, what are your thoughts on that? I It's uh, so interesting to me, the language, like the terminologies that we are using is are different. Some of them are the same, but we're saying the same exact things. And I I love this, 
this unity that what you're practicing, what you're giving your people that you're seeing and you're imparting your wisdom on uh, is what we do in functional medicine in our way is bringing balance to the body is really what it is. And you have your own diagnostic um, methods of finding out what where those imbalances are. We have ours. And that's what we're trying to do. And I think any good healer or practitioner in this space it's bringing about that balance. And I think that's what we're seeing on a global level and on a personal health level is that imbalance breeds destruction. And we see that in our environment, uh, as far as the weather is concerned and in warfare and all this just negativity on the news, all this craziness. Uh, and we see that within our, in people's bodies, this hyperinflammation state, this stressed out state. I mean, emotional, mental, emotional, spiritual stress brings inflammation up too. And I think that's what you were saying as well. Um, that's just in the medical literature. So I think now, Science is catching up with antiquity. Mm. Science, science is catching up and confirming what ancient wisdom knew all along. That imbalance brings destruction. Imbalance will bring inflammation. Because inflammation is not inherently bad. Inflammation is a part of our immune system. Right. So when it behaves properly, it fights viruses and bacteria. It heals wounds. That's good stuff. We'd be dead without good, balanced inflammation. It's imbalance is what we're talking about. It's this insidious uh, hyperinflammation, the sort of forest fire that keeps going in perpetuity. That's the problem. Um, so yeah, I think that this is powerful stuff. And I think that we're probably rocking a lot of people's worlds right now and just hearing this and like, whoa, like that's me and I'm going through this. Um, and you need to start... People need to start thinking for themselves and whatever that looks like in their own journey, they need to start saying, how can I get balance into my life? So, yeah, I mean, through lifestyle changes, we wield a lot of power. hundred percent, hundred percent. I think, I think the, the lifestyle understanding of health and wellness is based upon our ability to take full responsibility of education. I even say to like, and a lot of times a lot of healers will, you know, disagree with me, but I, 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 I wholeheartedly believe that I'm such a much more powerful shaman because I went to holistic school and studied physiology, kinesiology, and pathology, learned about, like worked with cadavers, learned about the body, understood the dynamics of how the body operates, understand, you know, the understanding of disease and sickness. And that gave me as a shaman a much more uh, broader viewpoint. Mm -hmm. So that way I can take the things that I learned from my ancestors and go, oh, this is what's happening and how I apply this. And now it makes sense to me. And I think anyone who's working as a healer, anyone working um, on any level of healing and whatever it may be, I don't care if it's even Reiki or whatever it is, I'm not putting any of it down. What I'm basically saying is go study physiology, yeah. go study pathology, go study understanding of kinesiology, Learn about the human body because it's not just about you putting energy in the body or it's not about you just being a person who's working with energy. You need to understand how the body operates so you can understand that the body has its own communication with energy. The body is a living energetic source. So if you're going to work on someone's body and you're going to work with someone mentally, for instance, you should have this under your belt. You should have this knowledge under your belt because it's going to give you a such more in-depth understanding of what you're dealing with. So when you're just doing Reiki and you're putting your hands over their stomach and you're putting your hands like in their lower pelvic region or their pelvic floor area, you're not just sitting your hands there. You understand that that area has its own vibration, its own tune, its own energy. And if you can actually match that with the energy that you're bringing in, the healing is going to be that much stronger and even heal them from things that you wouldn't even think they could heal from because of the fact that you're learning about the energetics of the body through the understanding of anatomy, through the understanding of, of these of these levels of thought, which I think is really important to be well-rounded when you're doing, especially when you're working with people. I think being well-rounded, you know, is important. And I think so on an individual level, 
if we look at that and we say, okay, on an individual level, how am I really living my life? Am I really living my life? Do I have lots of energy? Do I feel good in my body? When I wake up in the morning, do I feel good in my body? In the middle of my day, do I feel good in my body? And when I go to bed at night, when I take inventory of where my energy has went, what I've put into my system, do I feel good in my body? And if the answer is no, then I highly suggest you stop and take a piece of paper and write on the top of the piece of paper why I don't feel good. And then just start writing without like taking your pen off the paper. Just start writing all the reasons why you don't feel good. And then just keep writing it. And then for after two minutes of writing, just go back and look at all the reasons. And you will see that your body is so smart. Your spirit is so smart. It knows exactly how to bring you back into health and wellness. However, the celebrity who's telling you to go buy these vitamins or the person who's telling you, you know, who's a big public figure and saying, oh, you need to drink this juice or drink this drink. They are not the golden voices, my darlings, for our health and wellness if they are not and, and, and knowledgeable of, of of what you know, Doctor Will, and what I'm what I'm speaking about with you. If they don't have knowledge of physiology, knowledge of kinesiology, knowledge of understanding microbiome, knowledge of how the body functions on a, just a, on this on, on the basic level versus the more in, involved level, who are they to talk about any of these things? They know nothing. They're just utilizing their celebrity status to give you like, well, I'm a celebrity, so you should go take this. No, you have to become your own voice, your own guide, your own support system to teach you, to educate you, and to give you the fundamentals that you need in order to bring health and wellness back into your system. I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's like about finding out what works for your body and not being influenced by the shiny things we see on social media. <laughs> I mean, because it's like if, if, if we can learn great things, right? And maybe something does work, but you have to vet it for yourself. You have to do really find out what works for you and not be influenced by, yeah, society. Um, you're absolutely right. And, and the more people are in tune with their body, the more they can have that discernment as to what's working and what's not for them. I love I love the pictures on social media where you go into the like the health the like the people who are like into their healthcare stuff and every picture is perfect with them drinking their smoothie doing handstands and everything <laughs> it just looks like the paradise of health you know yeah, yeah. so people go on and they're like oh I'm gonna take that I'm gonna do that I'm gonna buy that I'm gonna have that yeah. but I really want people to really drop into a meditative state with yourself. Okay, or go on a one day fast and then ask your body while you're on that fast, what is the things you want me not to do anymore to you? Mm -hmm. Like start talking to your body, everyone. Like your heart is a living spirit. Your lungs are a living spirit. Your kidneys are a living spirit. Your skin is a living spirit. Every spirit in the elemental kingdom chose to be a part of your body. So they're living consciousness. And if you actually talk to your heart, you know, talk to your body. I mean, when I was in a wheelchair, and everyone's like, how did you get out of that wheelchair? I spoke to my legs every day for six months and talked to my legs with love. Like, you know, I love you. You're powerful. You're amazing. You're so much power. You have energy moving through you. And you know what it did? It got me to walk again. So I really encourage you to not just have a relationship with the outer world, but have a relationship just with yourself, with who you are as a person and 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 your body. Like really start to understand your body and your body's needs. And I guarantee you, I, I know without a shadow of a doubt in my being, I know with pure assurance that you will live a healthy, vibrant life. It's beautiful. Beautiful. So tell people how they can find you. Yeah, so everything's at drwillcole.com. So it's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. They can pre-order the book, Ketotarian, there, and it's on Amazon. And yeah, I'm really excited. And they can go to your Instagram. Yeah, they go to, see, follow me on Instagram. That's at Dr. Will Cole on Twitter, at Dr. Will Cole. It's just my name on all the social media. And handles. he does a lot of IG lives. He does a lot of Facebook lives. So you can get a lot of juicy information from this amazing doctor who's, who's just a wonderful friend of mine, a beautiful soul. And I'm so happy that we got to share all this amazing energy and this amazing messages and information and data. And that's what it's about, everyone. 
everyone. It's about information and educating ourselves so that we can grow and prosper in our lives. I'm so happy all of you today were on Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. And the most important thing is the call to action to share this with your family, share this with your friends. If you have a friend right now who's overweight, who's going through health problems, who's having difficulty in their health, you know, give them this podcast. Say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to argue with you anymore. I'm not going to sit here and be and, 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 and be a, a wall. I'm going to give this to you as a gift. I'm going to invite you to come on to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast and listen to Dr. Will Cole and Shaman Durek give you knowledge and information to better your lives. This is a real gift, people, to share that with your friends, share that with your family members, share it with people. Don't argue with them anymore. Just drop the podcast on them and say, here's the information. What you do from here is your choice. I support you and I love you. And that's what you have to say to them because it's not your job to fight people to become healthier, to lose weight, to become better about loving themselves. They have to make the step, but you can give them a push by sharing with them this today's podcast. I'm so happy. I love all of you. Remember how powerful you are. Remember how wonderful you are. And I love how you're always bringing health and wellness and really loving your body, talking to your body, caring about yourself and bringing messages that lift you and shift you on this planet Earth. Thank you so much. And you can follow me at Shaman Durek if you haven't already and check out some more of Ancient Wisdom Podcast. I look forward to seeing you again, tribe. I love you and have a wonderful, wonderful you. Goodbye.